Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. This is a real issue that people are not talking about. No. No one talks about the struggle of the toddler bed. What I teach families how to do is to get kids to go to bed happily before 8 p.m., like asleep before 8 p.m., and sleeping 10 to 12 hours straight through the night with no wake-ups in their own bed. That's the goal. Oh, my gosh. That's what I do for families. That's (laughs) incredible. Hello, everybody. This is Humble and Hungry, and I'm your friend, Natalie Poucher. Welcome back. I um, don't really have much news to share as far as am I pregnant or not, because I started feeling... So I was nauseous for a week, like I told you guys last week. And in the past two days, I feel like I've been okay, and I'll have random things that are happening. So I don't know if I am. I'm not taking a test yet. I did take a test last week and it was negative. So uh, I'm not sure if it was just too soon. Who knows? I'm sort of leaving it uh, in the hands of the universe, in God's hands, and we'll see what happens. Um, But last night I actually slept like crap because Piper has been sick, my poor girl. There's like something going around. There's a really bad cough. Uh, and it's like, it's like a snotty and then like a really phlegmy cough. I feel like everyone has it. They don't really know what it is. They're saying it could be something that has to do with, um, allergies, but then it, I feel like a lot of these coughs end up turning into like a little bronchitis type thing. So we're just keeping an eye on it. I took her to the doctor, which was sort of a shit show. I had to like, I, she already had an appointment so that we could get um, signed off so she could go to school and they we get there and she had this like you know little cough and he's like oh you have to go (laughs) you gotta go get a COVID test so we had to run go get a free COVID test down the street it's like a 15 minute thing come back because it was negative came back and he finally saw her and and then gave her this sort of over-the-counter cough syrup thing but you know signed her off for school because she starts school on Monday assuming that she feels well And um, we ended up going with this like little local uh, Montessori school that was honestly half the price. That's the only reason why we really ended up choosing the school. Like the curriculum is good. It's a it's Montessori based. Um, Teachers are really sweet and the kids seemed nice. Um, It's not. I don't know if I would say that was like my first choice to be honest with you. Uh, But you know, Riley was like, let's let's be realistic about it. I mean, are we really going to be paying a college? uh monthly like it's like a a, pretty much paying for a college the other one was like twenty one hundred dollars a month which is outrageous uh for a preschool so i was like yeah you know what not doing that she's still gonna be able to get educated and be around kids and learn the fundamentals and and things she should be learning as a preschooler so I'm not going to stress myself out over it. Um, She'll be fine. And then that gives me a little bit of time to figure out where she's going to start and and go for kindergarten and all that. So moving right along. 
the reason why I was saying that I'm so exhausted is because, so she's sick, right? So last night, so he gives her this cough medicine and they are like, oh, she, this can cause drowsiness. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's see how this goes. So I gave her the cough syrup and she started getting a little drunkish after dinner, <laughs> a little loopy. And so we ended up putting her down and she um, started having like night terrors. And so I, I don't know, she was, and she was coughing all night. So we really did not sleep last night, um, which is why I'm excited to have my guest on today uh, because she is going to help us basically sleep through the night and get our kids to sleep through the night. And I'm so excited. Um, her name is Jessica Burke and she is a national certified toddler sleep consultant and the founder of awesome little sleepers. She basically, well, she'll, when she comes on, she'll basically tell us a little bit about her story, but after getting certified as a sleep coach and working one-on-one -on -one with families for about seven years, she developed um, this method called the rest method, um, just for awesome sleep. And it's using like techniques that align with any parenting style um, and basically helps get your kid and your toddler quickly and easily um, in bed before 8 p.m. and completely sleeping through the night with no wake-ups. So let's bring her on and let's learn all the things so that we can get a better sleep tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Okay, guys, please welcome my guest, my very special guest, Jessica Burke. Hello. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I I was on Instagram and I was looking at um just you know like random things pop up and I was looking at Kane Brown's wife uh yes. and she posted about you what, what was her name what's her name I don't know Caitlin. Caitlin I'm blanking I love her so so she has two little ones and she was talking about and it was like super organic it was not like a paid ad nothing and she was just talking about how she couldn't sleep because her daughter was you know transitioning from a crib to a big girl bed and and she had never had issues before and then she stumbled upon your page and took your um you know took all of your classes and that she has not had an issue since then. And so I was like, oh my God, who is this magician? And I, and I, cause it was right. It was the day that I bought, um, it was the day that I bought the, like the, the transitional bed thing for my daughter. Yep. And, uh, and I posted about it and everyone was like, don't do it if you don't have to. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was getting all these mixed reviews and I was like, you know what? I just need to, and I wanted to talk to you because I'm like, she's clearly the best in the business. So I wanted to have you on and sort of answer all to all of us tired mommies, you know, what we're doing wrong and how do we fix it? Um, so t tell us a little bit about you. I know that you've been in the industry for, for a very long time. Um, and you founded the, um, the rest method. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, I am the sleep coach for toddlers and preschoolers. So there's lots of sleep coaches out there and most, you know, really focus on babies, right? Cause it's, you know, you hit that four month mark, six month mark. If you're not sleeping, like you, you know, you get desperate and there's lots of sleep coaches out there for that age group. 
Mm-hmm. But I found in my own experience, once my daughter moved from a crib to a toddler bed, that a whole new set of issues came up. And all the things that you did to get them to sleep in the crib, like those rules just don't apply because now they're free to run around and not stay put, right? So once I figured out how to get my daughter through that situation and myself through that insanity, I was like, oh yeah, like this is a real issue that people are not talking about. No. No one talks about the struggle of the toddler bed. So that is why this is the age group that I really focus on, like two and a half to eight years old, really Mm -hmm. getting kids. uh, You know, what I teach families how to do is to get kids to go to bed happily before 8 p.m., like asleep before 8 p.m., and sleeping 10 to 12 hours straight through the night with no wake ups in their own bed. That's the goal. Oh my god. That's gosh. what I do for families. That's <laughs> incredible. So I, I guess I have a question off the bat. So I I have a almost three year old. And I was just thinking, okay, it's probably time. And she, by the way, she sleeps great in her crib. Uh, she doesn't have any issues. She actually enjoys being in there. And I just thought, oh, I mean, society sort of tells you by three, they should probably be out and into like a big girl bed. And so is there a right time? Do Should I put her in a big girl bed? When do I know wh- when she's ready? So I like to say at least three years old or sometime before college. Okay. <laughs> Those <laughs> are the rules. Those are the rules. Um, So I really like to encourage kids to be at least three years old because if you move kids to a bed before that, sometimes they just lack the maturity needed to, to stay put. Like sometimes that feeling of freedom is honestly just too much for younger kids to handle. They mm-hmm. just, it makes them feel almost like uncomfortable. Like they have to get out and run around. Like they, it, right. they need that security that the confines of the crib, like make them feel safe and secure. And if you move them too quickly and they're too young to kind of understand really the rules that you need to put in place to, to get them to stay in their room and go to sleep, sometimes you know that can just turn into a disaster. So I really encourage families, if you can keep your kids safely in the crib until they're at least three, that's best. Um, but they can stay in there till they're old, you know, older than three, really until they are like too big and they don't fit in there anymore or if they're asking to get out. But the other thing is they need to be awesome sleepers in the crib. Okay. Don't move them until they are like rock star sleepers. That's like my best piece of advice. Now, most families I help have already made the switch and they're already in Struggleville. But if you haven't switched yet, try to get your kid to be a great sleeper in the crib because putting them in a bed is usually just going to intensify any problems that you're having. So is there some like systems in place that I should be doing now, bef- like just to get her ready for like the big girl bed? Like I, I think my sister uses like the red light, green light system, like where it's like, okay, you can't, you know, get out of bed or leave your room until the light turns green or whatever that is. I mean, should I be doing something like that now while she's in her crib? Um, that's a great idea. So that's really helpful. Um, what that does most is help kids know when it's time to get up in the morning that like it's not time to to get up and run around the room at 6 a.m. Like mommy's going to come get you at 6.30, you know, something like that. That That's what that toddler clock 
is really good for. Um, but yeah, you can certainly start implementing something like that now if you have an issue with mornings. If you don't, if you know, if she's if she's sleeping until at least six o'clock in the morning and and that's not a problem, you don't necessarily need that. Um, but yeah, you could certainly start that now. But I'd say that the biggest thing that, you know, really all families want to have in place is help your kids understand that they have the ability to fall asleep independently at bedtime, meaning without you, without a parent with them, without anybody else in the room. That is like the main key to great sleep is when kids can lay down in their dark room all alone and fall asleep. That's what you want. So if you can get that established when, you know, she's in the crib, then that's, you know, if she's do- doing good with that, then you'll you'll have a safe transition to a toddler bed. Yeah. I mean, do you have to like put all the toys away? Do you, can you, are, is the goal to just leave the room as is, or do you have to make modifications before transitioning them so that they're not just like playing with everything and throwing everything around? So not necessarily. Again, it depends on how your kid is sleeping in the crib. If they're sleeping great in the crib and you can say good night and give them a kiss and then leave the room, then you should just go with all your confidence that the same thing will happen when you remove the front side of the crib, right, and turn it into a toddler bed. Um, But some things that you can do to kind of encourage them to stay put are not allow them to climb in and out of the toddler bed by themselves right away like keep putting her down, like keep actually picking her up and putting her into the bed just so mm. she maybe doesn't understand that she can get up or <laughs> like not psych them a little freedom. bit, psych them out. Yeah. <laughs> psych them out a little bit. Um, yeah, that's definitely an idea, but you shouldn't have to strip the room of things if that hasn't been an issue before. I mean, if, like I said, if she's a good sleeper in the crib, um, you can also like the actual like first week that you put her in the bed, offer some rewards in the morning, you know, just say, you know, you're going to do such a great job sleeping in your big girl bed and we're going to do, you know, I'll give you a little little treat in the morning and it could be an M&M or, you know, a little pack of colored pencils or just a little something to right. say you did a great job sleeping in your big girl bed and just kind of leave it at that. And then what happens if they want to open the door? Do they make like kid child lock? We've never used any sort of like kid devices to like lock her out of things or lock cabinets or anything, but do they make anything for doors? Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of child, child proofing locks and stuff for, for doors. Like if you have circular knobs, there's the, um, you can put the, that cover on so she can't turn the knob as much, or there's, you know, things that go up and down, um, to, if you have handles that go up and down, there's child locks that you can put on there too, or there's something called the door monkey that can go on your door. Um, but again, I mean, hopefully you won't need to get to that point. Okay, so you don't even you recommend know, if those. Already, if she's already sleeping well in the crib, I mean, it's, it all depends on what behaviors you're seeing. But certainly, like as you transition, you know, as you transition to the bed, I don't think you would necessarily need anything like that. There's there's a lot of questions coming in on Instagram. I put a little question box for you for people to ask you questions, and I, I got a lot of how do we get them to not sneak into our bed every night. Mm, yeah. So that's where that's that, where I guess that lock lock of the handle question comes oh, in. Or is that gonna yep. scare them that like, oh my god, I'm stuck in here? I don't know. No, I mean, you know, you, you can definitely use that. I wouldn't, I mean, at 
the age that we're talking about, I wouldn't necessarily just put a lock on there because without explaining what's going on to your kid, I think, so this is the biggest difference between baby like sleep training Mm -hmm. and sleep training for older kids, which is your kids are older. They, they understand things. They understand way more than we even really give them credit for. So when you have a baby in a crib and you're looking at sleep training, it's all about it's all about what you, the parent, are doing. Like, right. what are you, the parent, supposed to do? And then, what do you do if the kid does that? It's all it's all about you know focus on what you're supposed to do. And when kids are older, that is also a, a piece of it for sure. But you have to understand your kid's maturity level. Like, you can actually work with your child to put some new rules and boundaries around sleep and bedtime into place because they understand way more. I mean, you know, your six month old doesn't understand what the heck is going on. Right. Right. So when they're, when they're three years old, you can explain rules to them. You can explain consequences to them. You can explain rewards to them. You know, you can, you can set up these, these strategies that really engage them and meet them where they're at developmentally. And so that's all like what my rest method is about. It's how to work with kids so that they have an understanding of what the expectations are. Because the other thing too, that I want like parents to understand is like sleep is not a nice to have. Like sleep Mm -hmm. is a biological need. It's like one of the foundational pieces that we need as humans to thrive, right? So, so we, sometimes our kids need our help to set boundaries so that they get that healthy sleep. Right. So when it comes to the the locking of the door, it's certainly an option, but I wouldn't necessarily go right to that without having a dialogue with your child or them understanding why, why that might be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly there's, there's many more things you can do besides that too. So this is like a long circle. No, it's good. That's all so good because it's true. I mean, I think that we forget that it is something that we all need. And that can also affect why maybe your kids are getting more sick often, right? Because they're not getting enough sleep, why their immune system is down. I mean, there's like so many things that it could cause. Oh yeah, absolutely. Illness for sure. There's been many studies showing that lack of sleep, especially the studies were done with adults, but you can imagine how it translates to kids. Um, that yeah, I think you get four adults get four times sick four times more often if they get under I think it was six hours a night of sleep. So it has a direct effect on your immune system. But what I hear more than anything from families is when you know when they have kids that are not sleeping and then they take my toddler sleep course and then they get their kids sleeping is the change in the kids' behavior and mood. That mm. is what I think. I mean, even one night of sleep can make such a difference where it's like, we're not seeing the tantrums and the meltdowns. Like their teachers said they were listening better, you know, all, you know, just a happier, just a happier kid. Wow. Um, So I think that's the most immediate benefit that people I think maybe don't even realize how much lack of sleep affects their kids. Yeah. So, so this is also, I mean, it sort of goes, it ties into the whole thing, but it's like, how do you get your child out of your bed? Like the adults, like, I mean, it it ties back to, I think what you were saying, we sort of have a lot of control in that, right? And how we handle situations. Yes. Yeah. So let me answer your question you were asking about if your kid's like coming into your room in the middle of the night, you never really directly answered that. But so here's the deal. And same thing with if you're falling asleep with your kids initially. um, But I think a lot of families have the sneaking into the bed in the middle of the night issue. Um, But 
the, the truth is your kids are going to get used to whatever circumstances you put them in, you mm-hmm. know, like, do they go to school? Do they stay at home? Like, are they vegetarian? Do they eat meat? Like, however your family runs is what your child's going to get used to. Your kid is a product of their environment. So if you, and so you as the parent have to kind of define what you want that to be like. You're, you are in charge, even though we don't always feel right. <laughs> that way. Sometimes our kids are yeah. really bossing us around, yeah. but you know, we are in charge. Like, so we are, we are responsible for the situations happening in our family, right? So if you really don't want your child to come into your room in the middle of the night, and by the way, it's, it's okay to not want that. It's okay to want your bed to yourself for you and your spouse and know that no one else is coming in there. It's okay to want to sleep through the night and not have to be woken up. It's okay to admit that you want that. Okay, um, I've admitted it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. No, thank you. I don't like being kicked in the ribs. I'm totally fine. No, yeah. Yeah. Nope, not well, fine. and I just say that because there's a lot of, um, I think a lot of people feel like, you know, they're res- they just feel like they have to be at their child's kind of beck and call 24-7. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is definitely a parental choice that you can make. Um, but I'm just here to say that fragmented sleep, when your kid is waking up multiple times or you're playing musical beds, like that's just not healthy. Right. That's just not a healthy thing for your child to be going through. So if you want to sleep with your child and that's how you that's how you're choosing to to sleep and everyone is sleeping great and there's no complaints. Right. More awesome. power to you. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, no problemo, okay? But I keep like not answering (laughs) this question. (laughs) If your kid is coming in your room and you don't want that to happen, that is totally fine. It does not have to happen. So the truth is though, if you keep letting them come in, and I know it sometimes feels like they're going to do whatever they want to do, but you are letting them in. If you keep letting them in, that is your, you are allowing that, right? Then they're going to come to expect it. And they might even come to expect that, like, why are you even trying to put them to bed in their own bed? Because we all know they're going to come into your bed in two hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it can make be- the initial bedtime more of a struggle because they're like, why am I even in this room? Like, I just, we all know I sleep in your bed. Right. So that can happen. So what to do is you, you don't allow it, you know, keep walking them back to their room if you have to. Um, if they sneak in, if they're the kind of kids that can do the sneak attack, then hang like a bell on your door or lock your bedroom door so they can't just have free entry into your room. So those are some kind of tricks to prevent like the sne- – I think a lot of kids are like super sneaky and parents wake up and yeah, they're like, yeah. did, like, when did that even happen? So, yeah, or they'll end up like in the living room floor like randomly in the middle of the night because they just like walk out of their room and like sleep somebody like somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and yes, and that's not safe. In that case, you exactly. should have some baby gate situation or lock situation because – yeah, if your kid is a roamer or tends to sleepwalk or wanders, then certainly a lock should be considered for safety reasons. Oh my goodness. So many. So can I just dive into a couple more questions? Because they're just like sure. coming in hot. Um, okay. So how to manage no more naps when your kid clearly needs it and is already doing quiet time? Okay. So, you know, the truth is we cannot force our kids to sleep. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can't force our kids to sleep. But what we can do is we can set up their day 
and prioritize sleep so that they have the opportunity to get the sleep that we know that they need. So in this situation, if you really feel like your child needs a nap, and I'm guessing that maybe they get super cranky around like five o'clock and that's why this person is saying that they need a nap, you know, I would stick it out with the quiet time. If you're doing quiet time, that's awesome. I always recommend moving to quiet time after, you know, kids stop napping or Actually, I recommend calling nap time quiet time, mm-hmm. starting when your kid's like two, when they're still napping, just so they're used to understanding that like it's not called nap time. It's just called quiet time. This is where in the middle of the day, I go to my room for an hour or two, and that's that's when I'm in my room by myself. So if, the, if this family's already doing quiet time, I would say make sure that quiet time means no screens. Give the kids something to do a calming activity or a couple things that they can have in their room. I would keep the lights dim. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're in there for an hour and they're playing with their books or puzzles or whatever, and they're just not falling asleep, there's really nothing else you can do about that. I mean, that's definitely the best, the best practice for quiet time. But if you're still seeing that your kid is super cranky, um, I recommend moving bedtime earlier. Okay. And I recommend moving bedtime earlier once kids transition out of a nap. Um, no matter what, because they are going to be missing some of that daytime sleep. So, you know, and that's in that case, move bedtime 15, even 30 minutes earlier. Um, bedtime is another, like, I'll get on my soapbox about bedtime, but like, yeah, people are putting their kids to bed like way too late. So, yeah, moving bedtime earlier is going to be like my recommendation for like probably every single question that you're about to ask. Me. What, yeah, we, we do 7 30. Is that appropriate? Is that too early? <laughs> No, I think that's great. You said she's uh, almost four. She's almost three. Almost three. Um, So yeah, that, and she still naps. No, she does not nap. She will fight. And she doesn't even do quiet time. She really refuses quiet time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, but she just, she'll cry and she'll just like, I mean, she'll throw everything out of her crib. She just does hates it. Yeah. And maybe it's because she's in a crib still that she doesn't feel, maybe she gets too bored. I don't know. And I try talking to her through it, but. Yeah, I know. Quiet time can be, you know, quiet time can be tough. There's a few strategies, but you know, it, it, once kids stop napping, it it can be a little bit more difficult. Um, So in that case, 730 might be a little bit too late. I mean, it all depends on. Oh, really? It all depends on what you're seeing from her. So I recommend bedtime being between um, 6.45 and about 7.30. And that's up to six years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And then, and then assume that they sleep until 6.45 and 7.30 the next day. So yeah. So the goal for the bedtime is asleep by 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then the goal for the wake time is sleeping until at least 6 a.m., which maybe a little bit, you know, earlier than some people are hoping I was going to say, but that is really what's, you know, biologically appropriate for this age. So like in your example, if your daughter is going to sleep at 7.30 and sleeping until 6.45 and bedtime's easy peasy and she's sleeping great, there's no issues, then that's a totally fine schedule. Right. If there's not a problem, then there's not a problem. <laughs> it's it, only if things go are getting crazy and she's not getting enough sleep. That they're right. Because you're saying 6.45 to 7.30 because realistically, they're not falling asleep as soon as they hit the bed. So that's probably right. like, yeah. So like about 10, eight o'clock minutes. is, yeah. Mm-hmm, got it. Yeah. Within 20 minutes of you leaving the room is, is what we're hoping for. Got it. Um, this is a, it says my four-year-old won't let us, um, leave after saying good night help. 
Yes, that is very, <laughs> that is very common. And this is, this is really the heart of my toddler sleep course. Um, I teach two different strategies to kind of get you out of the room. Cause like I said, getting out of the room at bedtime is like, that is the key to awesome sleep. It's like the magic sauce. <laughs> it's the magic sauce because what kids need to have with them when they fall asleep is what they're going to need to have with them in order to stay asleep all night long. So you know how we were talking about the kids that sneak into the parents' bed? Yeah. Well, they think that they need to be in their parents' bed to sleep. So those parents are probably sitting in the kid's room with them while they fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as the child goes through a change in their sleep cycle, a couple hours later, they're running to go find mom and dad because they they have been like conditioned and they're accustomed to needing mom in, in order the room. to fall asleep. Right. Right. So I, I give this analogy. It's like it's like when you fall asleep, you you lay down your bed, you've got your pillow, you've got your comforter, and you get all cozy. And then we all go through changes in our sleep cycle, right? Deep sleep to light sleep multiple times through the night. And then when we move into light sleep, that's when we roll around, pull up our covers and stuff. We, we're not conscious of that because we're still asleep. Right. But if you moved into a lighter stage of sleep and then all of a sudden you realize that your pillow was gone, mm -hmm. that would be like jarring to you. You wouldn't just be able to go back into a deep sleep. You'd wake up and you'd be like, wait, where's my pillow? Oh right. my God, my pillow fell on the floor. Like when the hell did that happen? Like, right. What right. is going on? Like weird. I got to get my pillow. I got to put it back under me. Now I'm awake. Now I've got to put myself back to sleep. So with kids, it's the same thing. So like when parents are having to stay in the room or like lay with kids at bedtime, it's like you're the pillow, mm. right? You have made yourself like a, a key part of their ability to fall asleep. They need you. So now what's going to happen? They're going to need you all through the night. Speaking of pregnancy, you guys have known that I've been trying to get pregnant for the past year and it hasn't really worked out <laughs> the way that I thought it was going to. I thought, oh, I'm, I did it once, I can do it again. But here we are, uh, having issues, right? Or at least just maybe not having issues, but just not getting pregnant. And I just feel like where I'm at right now in my life, I'm just even more appreciative of companies like Modern Fertility who essentially are cutting out the crazy amounts of bills and doctor's appointments and everything to have to go and figure out, you know, my hormone levels and my fertility, uh, you know, like how many eggs I have, <laughs> how fertile I am. And they have just made it so easy that I can now just test my fertility hormones from home, literally with a simple finger prick. I mean, all you do is basically put a little drop um, on this little uh, sheet that they send you. You mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Uh, you get insights on your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, basically like how many eggs you have compared to other women in your age group and other really important fertility factors. And the results go deep into what every hormone means and what you can, you can like just download the results to review like with your doctor for like next steps. Um, and traditional testing can honestly take like forever 
first of all, to even get into your doctors. Um, and it can cost over 600 bucks, you know, easy with all the tests and the labs and everything. But Modern Fertility gets you the same information at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash humble, you can actually get $30 off your test. Plus you can get um, reimbursed for the test through the um, FSA or HSA. And if you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $30 off um, the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash humble. That is a limited time offer for $30 off. That means that your test will cost $169 instead of the hundreds or thousands that it could cost at a doctor's office, guys. Get $30 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash humble. That's modernfertility.com slash humble. Okay, guys, if you are even dabbling with the idea of buying a house because of what you're hearing, you know, in the news and, and you're hearing about inflation, you're, you, you have no idea what's going on, or if you do have any idea what's going on. So that's why I'm recommending you guys to listen to the How to Buy a Home podcast with your host, David Sedoni. He's an industry expert who lays out what to expect from the housing market right now and what you can do to take advantage. He's walking you step by step. Literally every week, it's like something new is coming out in the news, right? It's inflation. It's this. It's how he will walk you through it. Go listen to his podcast, the How to Buy a Home podcast, and it will help you basically get yourself ready to buy your home. He also has free resources with all the knowledge that you need to buy your first home. And thousands of people have already taken advantage of the starter kit and it can help you too. Just go to go to howtobuyahome.com to get all that information. So start planning for the coming recession at the howtobuyahome.com and make this the last year that you rent. Find how to buy a home on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Now a quick break to tell you about my favorite sheets I've ever slept on thanks to Cozy Earth. Uh, I've had more better nights sleep <laughs> now that I've had Cozy Earth than I have in a very long time. They developed and crafted high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so that you can get the restorative sleep you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy Earth sheets are softer than cotton and made from soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating, which means that it will help you cool and be comfortable all night long. And that's honestly a real problem that I remember struggling with, um, especially when I was going through postpartum and, oh my gosh, I just remember like my, my hormones were just irregular and I was just like sweating through the sheets. Um, and even recently now moving into this house, we are AC, <laughs> I hate to break it to you guys, does not work in our primary. So having these breathable, delicious sheets makes all the difference. Um, Cozy Earth has even been featured on Oprah's favorite list 
four years in a row and they have a 10-year warranty on all their products. They also offer a 100-night sleep test, which means that you can try these sheets for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, which you won't, you can send it back for a full refund. But trust me, you're going to keep these sheets forever. Plus, they have all the basic color sheets that you need, white, light gray, driftwood, charcoal, and oat. I love my Cozy Earth sheets because they're just incredibly soft. The temperature regulating and double weave, so I know they won't tear. And honestly, forget about me. Riley's the picky one, and he is obsessed with them. We we sort of swap sheets every week, and he knows when I have Cozy Earth on. <laughs> and he's, he's very happy about it. So Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer just for my listeners today. That's 35% off site-wide when you use the code HUMBLE. Once again, that's 35% off site-wide when you use the code HUMBLE. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I remember growing up and therapy sort of wasn't even on the table, right? Back then, generations past, no one wanted to talk about it because they it just wasn't something that was in their dialogue. And what I'm loving about our generation and the future generations is that we are taking that power back and and taking the stigma out of therapy. And I feel like it's just so important that we are able to talk to somebody and unload your stress and your emotional healing and get help with anxiety and depression. It's just, it's so important that we do this. Um, for ourselves and for our future selves. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief sort of survey and switch therapists at any time if you don't feel comfortable, which is so great because sometimes, you know, you have to go through a few in order to feel like, okay, you found the right one and that's okay. Um, but they really cater to you. They want to help you. And that's what I love about BetterHelp. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash humble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash humble. without giving us the magic sauces, I want everyone to go and take your course. Um, and you can tell us at the end where to find that, but, um, without giving us like everything, is it like verbiage? Is it how you talk to them? Is it certain things that we should be saying and doing, or is it more of a physical thing? So it's actually a mixture of kind of all the things you just said. So in my course, I actually teach two totally different strategies because you know, every family is different and, you know, their parenting styles are different. And I want people to be able to choose a strategy that's going to work for their family. I call it a solo sleep strategy because solo sleep is what we need. This is letter S of the rest method. It's an acronym. So this is letter S that we're talking about. So I teach you two different ways to really get out of the room to help your kid get comfortable falling asleep alone. Because just like anything else, like it feels hard when we've never done it before. Right. Right. Feels uncomfortable. So hard. Yes. Like, did you take your kid to preschool? Like, yeah, it's hard. It's not right. great the first day. They don't really know. They're not used to it. And then a few days later, they get comfortable with it. They know what to expect. And, you know, parents have to feel confident too. So that that plays into a lot of it as well. But um, you were asking, you know, 
Is it, is it verbiage? Is it something the parents have to do? It's a mix of all of that. So um, that's what I was saying about learning how to work with your child. So um, that's what my course teaches. It's how to work with your child and explain to them you know, what needs to happen, explain to them the importance in, in a, in a child friendly way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the main thing is learning how to give your child some control over the bedtime process, because all of these like power struggles and things that people are going through at night where the kids are like, don't leave me, don't leave me. Or like, I need more water or I need more. It's, and it feels like a power struggle it's because it is a power struggle, right? It's because our kids really just want control over things. They want to feel like they have a say, that they're being heard. So I teach families how to give that to kids, how to give them some control of the, over the process mm-hmm. um, in an age-appropriate way, but that still has the parent in charge with the goal of getting good sleep. And is this like a, it starts at like, dinner time up until bedtime? Or is this just like a, a system that we apply right before bedtime or like at bedtime? So like, it's, like it's is it take a bath I, every night and like soothe them or like, is it things like that? So I'd say it starts, it starts from the evening all the way to the morning. So the, the rest method, like I said, it's an acronym. So R is the right sleep schedule. So that's really key. So like we were talking about bedtime, like what is the right bedtime for your child? I will, my course teaches you how to figure that out. Um, Cause lots of families are like my kid, there is no way my kid's falling asleep before eight o'clock. Like right, my kid right. is going, going, going until nine, nine thirty. Mm-hmm. Like Jessica, you're crazy. <laughs> well, the truth is there's probably some signs that you're missing some secret like signs of sleepiness and ways that your kids are, are, are behaving that are giving you a clue that they're tired earlier in the evening in that 645 to 730 range that you're missing. So I teach families how to figure that out and it's so eye opening. Okay. So that's the game changer. Yeah. That's a game changer. Um, so that's the letter R the letter E is, uh, stands for excellent bedtime routine. So now it starts, this is where you're going to give your kid a lot of control. Most families have kind of a bedtime routine, like brush teeth. Some people do a bath every night. I, I don't like require that you do that, but you know, bath, brush teeth, read books, sing a song, say a prayer, whatever your routine is. Like most people have something like mm-hmm. that. And people will tell me like, Oh, I already have that. Yeah. But it's usually like off the rails. Like it's not really a routine. It's like an outline that you wish would happen. Right. Right. <laughs> But it's followed by, but mommy, more hugs, but I need a sip mm-hmm. of water. I got to go potty again. I got to go potty again. I got to go potty again. I got to mm-hmm. go potty again. Right? So it's it's a routine, but it's not routine. Right. So I teach families how to, how to like lock that down and turn that into like a 15-minute pleasant, peaceful <laughs> experience. Oh, it sounds, so, sounds magical. <laughs> <laughs> That's the letter E. And then the letter S we talked about, uh, what stands for solo sleep strategy. And that's how you get out of the room. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the letter T stands for tease a reward. So that's all about what's going to happen in the morning. So you're going to explain this whole process to your kid. You're going to give them some control. You're going to put up some boundaries. You're going to learn how to hold boundaries. And then in the morning, you are going to learn how to celebrate your child and be so proud of them so that they are so proud of themselves, which really starts the whole process off on like a positive foot. And 
you know, then you go from there. So it's, it's really all the way from the evening until the morning, which is what I teach you in this course. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. I remember when we were potty training, um, which she still wears a diaper at night because she's, yeah. you know, has accidents and whatnot. But I remember she would get a treat after, you know, or like a, like a little surprise after she would go, you know, pee pee in the potty. And, mm-hmm. and at some point I was like, you're going by yourself and you're still asking for us, you know, a, tr- you know, a surprise or yeah. a treat or a reward. I'm like, when does that end? And then eventually it just <laughs> sort of faded. She like forgot about it. So I'm assuming that that's sort of the same thing. Like at some point yeah. they're just now sleeping and you don't have to reward in the morning. It's just now part of, you know, their lifestyle. Yep. Yes, for sure. I teach you kind of how to like phase out the okay. rewards because yeah, I mean, we've all gotten, you know, in that trap, right? Oh yeah. But also the, you know, a lot of times people are like, I've tried, you know, I tell my kid, like, if you sleep in your bed all night and you don't come into mom's bed, like we'll go get a bike tomorrow. Or I had one family say like, I, I said we would go to Disney world, but like <laughs> they still, came and like, it's literally hopeless. You know what I mean? That feels like it's hopeless. Like you said, right, I'll take you right. to Disney World and then they're like, whatever, I still yep. am coming to your bed. But so lots of people are trying to use rewards in the wrong way. So like if your kid is used to coming into your room every single night and they've been doing that for three years, <laughs> yeah. like just because you say we'll go to Disney World one day, like they don't know what that means. They don't know how to stay in their bed. Like they So don't how do you know. wean that off? I mean, that that because I feel like a lot of parents go through that. I mean, wh- how do you even start that process? Like, do you have to really be with them like the first few nights to just like get them off? Or is that even starting off on the wrong foot? So it kind of depends what situation you're in now that you're trying to get out of. Right. So I give a lot of direction. So like I said, I've got two kind of ways that I teach families how to do this. And I, and I also tell you how to make a choice. So like a lot of times with families who have been co-sleeping for a long time, you know, they might do a kind of a more gradual approach, but families who are, you know, maybe they haven't been co-sleeping and they're just ready to be like done there. You can have a stricter approach. So it kind of depends on the situation that you're trying to get out of. And um, yeah, so I teach you kind of how to judge that. And then I give lots of options and variations within both of the strategies to, to help you learn how to get out of the room and, and learn how to get your child comfortable being alone in there and falling asleep by themselves. Cause that is the ultimate goal with any sleep training strategy, no matter what age you are, it's all right. about getting your child comfortable falling asleep alone. And then here's another question, which I actually just had last night. So how to respond to night terrors, uh, Piper, I was, I was before this, um, I was talking about how last night Piper, they gave her like a cough medicine and it was, you know, going to cause drowsiness. And I swear, I think it gave her like, like these mm-hmm. night terrors, bad dreams. She was like crying in her sleep. And it was like every, probably every 40, 40-ish minutes, she would just start to cry and she was coughing. And then, you know, she was like wording things and I didn't know how to handle it. I just, I sort of stood out the door or outside the door just to like make sure it didn't get too aggressive. And I was hoping she was just going to fall back as- asleep on her own, which she did. Um, and... But I mean, how, what about the other kids that maybe it's, it's, it's too much or like the, the terrors are really bad. Yeah. So night terrors are, um, they can be really scary for parents. So, um, one of my daughters had them bad. So I've seen this in real life. I've got firsthand experience with this, but so I think the first thing is to make sure that it's really a night terror. 
Mm-hmm. This gets this gets confused um, a lot of times with just middle of the night tantrums, honestly. So night terrors typically happen within the first four hours of sleep. So before midnight is typically when night terrors happen. And what they will look like is your child will wake up from being asleep and they'll be seem to be like in a lot of distress, like screaming, crying, but maybe not even like crying, maybe just like, ah, like yelling or maybe saying no, maybe saying stop, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like almost, but, but very physical thrashing around the bed. Um, my daughter would get up and like kind of walk around her room and like run into walls and stuff like very, very scary as a parent, like, you know, like an exorcist Mm -hmm. type moment, you know? So in that situation, what you're supposed to do is not wake the child up because the child is asleep. Mm-hmm. And the child will have no memory of this disaster the next morning. Like they really won't. Even though you think that they're having a dream about getting like kidnapped and having their arms and right. ripped off. Like <laughs> they're asleep. They're not going to remember this. Okay. So you don't wake them up. The best thing to do is probably what you did. With, or if you have a monitor, you can stay out of the room. But if you feel like you need to be in the room, you just keep them safe. Like I would like if my daughter was standing up and walking around, I would move like picture frames off of the shelves. Mm. keep them safe. Um, Try to guide them back to bed without waking them up. But ultimately at the end, what will happen is they'll just, they'll be like, no, no. Right. Right. Yes. That's exactly what she did. She was like screaming, crying, but her eyes were closed. And that's why I didn't, I didn't want her wake her up. And so it was, it was terrifying. I'm like, oh my God, is she okay? Like, do I need to hold her? And I think that parents initially, they, they, they want to just grab them and hold them and protect them, right? Yes. So don't do that. Yes. No, you're not supposed to do that. Um, if, it's a, if it's a true night terror, you're definitely not supposed to do that. And in your daughter's case, you know, if she has a cough and she had some medicine, like that could have been playing into it a little bit too. Right. Um, but, you know, night terrors can happen with just healthy kids. Um, they usually don't start before three or four years old. So if you're feeling like you have like a year and a half year old who's having night terrors, that's probably on not what is actually happening. Right. Um, so to prevent them, there's a couple of things you can do. Um, they're actually one of the causes of night terrors is being overtired, which means kids aren't getting enough sleep. Mm. So put your kid to bed early. Like I said, I was going to be like saying this on repeat, but yep. move bedtime 15 minutes earlier if you're seeing night terrors. Um, talk to your doctor, but if you really are seeing them, normally they would happen in a predictive cycle, like 10, 15 every night, 10, 15, like every night. And so what you can do in that case is go, um, before 10, 15 and kind of disturb your child a little bit, like just maybe roll them over. Don't like wake them up, but just kind of roll them over and maybe try to disrupt that sleep cycle a little bit. Mm -hmm. If something's kind of like getting glitchy in there. Too much, yeah. Um, and then here's a here's another one. How do you get rid of the passy in as a toddler? So yeah, so this is this is a good question. I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff you can Google about. You know, the the pacifier fairy. I really like that option. Um, I like the option of giving the child the choice. You know, tonight's the night. The pacifier fairy is coming. Maybe you do a countdown to it if you want to, um, but. I, I really recommend getting rid of it before they get out of the crib if you can. Like okay. kind of deal with that when they're a little bit when they're a little bit younger. I think your dentist will tell you that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like the pacifier fairy move. I love that. Yeah, I feel like we 
<laughs> I think, I think I told her, I was like, I'm going to, I'll be right back. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find it. And then I never came back and she fell asleep. And then we just, <laughs> and then like the next yeah. day she was like, did you find it? I yeah. was like, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I was the and worst. See, sometimes, I don't know. No, but that's great. Like, I think sometimes too, like they're kids. Right. They're, you know, we can use some little parenting. Oops, I forgot. Like, oop, I'll come back and check on you in a few minutes. And then you just, you know, you don't yeah. go back. I mean, you, you can, some of those things are, are, are easy, you know, to, to try and see if that works too. So just to, just to, to clarify, because I think the number one question is when to basically transfer your kid from a crib to a big girl bed or a big boy yeah. bed. Um, so you you basically think that when when they're mature enough, when you can have that conversation and they're showing the skill set that they can handle basically being in a bed by themselves. Yes, I would say when they are falling asleep by themselves at bedtime and sleeping through the night and they're at least three years old. Okay. And like is five too old? Well, they, they probably couldn't even fit in. They're not going to yeah. Right. <laughs> I would say once you get to four, I mean, it depends on your child. I mean, some yeah. some people are like, I couldn't make it to three. Like, you know, I've right. got a huge kid. So it just kind of it just kind of depends. But but yeah, the the really I like to say, like, sometimes people think, oh, you know, my kid's sleeping horrible. They just want to be in a bed. They're they feel like they're too little to be in a crib. So I transitioned them to a bed when they were like two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden things get so much worse. So, you know, I like to say that. Trying to solve sleep problems by putting your kid in a toddler bed is like trying to have a baby to save your marriage. Oof. Like, and we all know that doesn't gonna, work. <laughs> not, not the move you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And what about pillows and blankets? I didn't ask you. How is that okay to have? And is it good to like incorporate that in there? Because I mean, she has one right now in her in her crib. I mean, she has like oh, three yeah. blankets and a pillow. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, what, once you're kind of past the, the crib safety time, you know, once your kids are definitely over a year old, they can move their neck around, they can, you know, move around, then certainly they can have, they can have stuff in there. Yeah. Okay. Pillow, blanket. Yeah. As much stuff as they, as they want and they can handle and they're comfortable with, you know, if, if all of a sudden the blanket is, um, you know, something that you have to come and fix for her three times overnight, then I would say no blanket and put her in a sleep sack to keep her warm. Got it. Oh my gosh, such good information. Okay, so where can everybody take all these courses? I mean, like, where can everyone find you? Because I know I'm going to get a ton of questions after this. Yeah, so definitely follow along with me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. I'm at Awesome Little Sleepers. And then, um, so I have one course. It's one course. Oh, it's it's only one. Sleep. It's one. Oh. It's called Sleep Tight Without a Fight. And it is like a everything is in there. It's a comprehensive course. So like I said, how to get your toddler or preschooler to go to bed without any drama before 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. sleep 10 to 12 hours through the night without waking up in their bed all by themselves. That, oh is, that is what this course delivers. So um, I think to learn about it, the best thing to do is take my, um, my toddler sleep masterclass. It's a free class that I offer, and it really kind of it answers a lot of the questions that we've talked about here today, really why people kind of get in the sleep situations that they're in, and explaining how it actually is possible to get out of them. Like I think people take this class and leave feeling really hopeful. Um, and you'll learn all about my rest method in, in this free class. And you can find that at awesomelittlesleepers.com slash masterclass. 
Amazing. Oh my gosh. Everybody go check her out. Go take that. And, um, and then I want to hear from you guys or message, message Jessica, let her know, like if, did it work for you guys at, you know, go and ask her any questions that you guys have. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. And, um, when me. I transfer her, cause now I'm just going to hold off cause she's, she doesn't, I don't think she needs it yet. Um, I will call you if I need you. <laughs> hopefully yes, I don't. Hopefully you won't. But uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you won't. But yes, I'm here if you need me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We actually ended up talking offline a little bit and uh, and included Andy, my producer. And we just started talking really about, because Andy has four kids, and he was talking about how one of his sons um, still actually comes into his room. And, and, you know, and for him... And he still sleeps with them. And and for him, they don't mind it. Uh, that's sort of what they're, you know, th- they feel like they bond and, and he has his own, you know, reasons for why they do it. And um, and Jessica was like, you know, I hope I didn't come off saying like, like almost like shaming parents or anything. She's like, because it's, it's not, if it's not about that, right? If it works for you, then that's okay. If you enjoy that, that time with your kids, them in your bed, then who cares what anyone else says? As long as it works for your family, that's what matters. Um, but if you are like me <laughs> and you like your own bed and you like your sleep and you're okay with having them in their bed, um, and then that's okay too. And that's why we have people like Jessica to help us get through that. So if this is not for you, I just, I don't want people to get offended. I, I know we are just in a, in a, a time right now where, um, people just are, are a little bit more sensitive and that's okay. But I just want you to know, we're not shaming anyone here. We're just, um, spreading a little information and hopefully it benefits you. Uh, if, if that's something that, that you needed. So Anyhow, <laughs> just that was a little long-winded, but I just want to get that point across because it's very important for me. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please make sure to go and subscribe to Patreon where you get ad-free shows, extra content, extra shows, and so much more. Uh, I do a $100 giveaway every month, which pretty much pays for your entire year <laughs> of Patreon. And go listen to what the kids are watching. It comes out every other Friday with my co-host, Ryan Bailey. Uh, what else is going on? That's pretty much it. And I will keep you guys posted. If I'm pregnant, you guys will know next week. Ooh, fingers crossed. Love you all. And remember, stay humble and stay hungry. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.